saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season this Tuesday, April the 26th, as the light of Christ shines on us from the beloved 23rd Psalm. I'm real excited to be able to uh, hear this again. You've heard it before. You probably heard it most often at a funeral or at someone's bedside. But what part of the psalm, this is a good challenge for everyone this morning, what part do you remember off the top of your head? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, My cup overflows. He leads me besides still waters. He restoreth my soul. You can sneak in a little King James as you hear it. But here's here's a question for you. Have you ever just opened it and prayed it? I have to admit, I'm not sure if I have, and I definitely have not done it enough. And so we find David's words inspired by the Holy Spirit, always giving us something new to consider every time that I have read, prayed, or in, inwardly digested it. So I'm looking forward to that today. And in my in my mind, I'm always thinking about the hymns that this connects to. And it clearly, I'm thinking of the King of Love My Shepherd is, which, Shepherd is, which is 709 in your hymnal. So I encourage you, if you have a hymnal, look up 709 as we go through our study today. But all this, we know the gifts are ready for the open your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles. Let's start Praying for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, happy Easter and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Uh, I don't want to rub it in, Brady, but like, what's been the temperatures up there in Sartell the last few days? You know, I'm going to say this uh, before we say anything more is, I think Pastor Lukomsky needs something more to talk about than the weather. I think we need to get this guy a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? The thing is, I'm, I'm sitting right now on the beach in Florida, and I just wanted to know from my own interest, you know, what, oh, what sure. I might be experiencing if I was in Minnesota right now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll, t- I'll tell you this story. is Coaching track in Minnesota this time of year, this year specifically, oh, my. very frustrating. But yesterday, it got to the point where it was like 35 degrees, and all of us, the track coaches, are like, we need to practice outside. Like, we've done it like <laughs> twice. Oh, yeah. And so we're like, we're yeah. going out. You know, kids, here's a – for my – I'm a, a Chapo and Discus uh, track coach. I said – Okay, here's the uh, obviously warm steel shot put. Um, here's a rubber or metal discus. Go out there in 35 degrees and let's have a good time. So we made it, but it's not good. 35 to 40 is really where we're at right now. How about that? Well, and and what people need to understand because I, I you know I live in Minnesota <laughs> a half the year too, and and so people are in shorts and t-shirts at 35. Right. And after you've right. been at zero, this is like yeah, it's like a warm day. Uh, but it isn't. It isn't eighty, which is what we're enjoying right here. I don't know if you can hear the waves coming in. <laughs> Not right now. I can't hear them, but uh, we'll we'll we'll, no. we'll believe you. We'll let you. We'll let you have your moment. How about that? <laughs> uh, no, actually, we're so, down here. My my uh, father-in-law, who's going to be ninety-six at the end of next month, he's got some procedures he needs. So we came down here to try to get him back and forth, the doctors and whatever. But, yeah, we are enjoying the warmer weather, though. I bet <laughs> you are. Even though we're not here for the beach. Yeah, yeah. So Well, good. This is great to, great to have you on, especially with Psalm 23. So let's do this before we get to any oh, discussion. Man. Let's yeah. pray 
Psalm 23 and come back um, and, and, and get back to our time. Actually, I'm going to say this to our guests. If you have any questions or thoughts, any maybe even reflections on the 23rd Psalm, give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850, or email us, kfuo at kfuo.org, because I know all of you, um, I, I've never met someone who said, I don't like the 23rd Psalm. Maybe there are some people out there, um, but it is something that we've all heard, and it hits us differently throughout our lives. So let's begin by praying. Psalm 23, let us pray. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, Yahweh, forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Pastor, I'm going to start with this question, because I know you're going to come back with me, to me, with many questions. You're one of our <laughs> beloved guests that does that to me. Um, but I'll start this way. Psalm 23, you've probably read it, you've probably prayed it, you've sung it thousands of times in your ministry um, as a pastor, probably as when you're with your family and everything else. Why is this psalm so meaningful to us as Christian people? Well, because it... it... I think it's probably one of the purest explanations and descriptions of the gospel that, that you find a- anywhere in the Bible. Uh, and, and, you know, if you think about it, everything else we encounter in the scripture usually is a combination of law and gospel, which is how, how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, if we don't know. Right. And, and there's law in this text, too. When, when you remember what, what, what how, if, if the Lord is our shepherd, what does that make us, Brady? That makes us then, then sheep, sheep that are lost. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's right. There's there's a powerful law in recognizing that, but but it but it see that's the thing. It, it acknowledges the fact that we are very very needy, and we'll talk more about that as we get into the text. But but after that, it's just this beautiful description of a God who is totally devoted to us. And, and, and every verse talks about, and he just wants to do the best he can for us in every possible perspective. And I think the other reason why it's really popular is because it addresses the the fact that it's not easy being a sheep. And there's dangerous valleys we go through, and we are surrounded by enemies. And so I think it's of tremendous comfort to know that uh, even, even, even in death, no, no, our, our shepherd's going to take care of us. Um, so yeah, it's just probably one of the most profound, uh, simple, direct, very poetic descriptions that the uh, love of God that He has for us. The connections that we see throughout the Bible are endless. I mean, it is absolutely endless. So you have, for example, um, there was one I was reading, one commentary that talked about how the the, the fulfillment of Psalm 23 is when Jesus is feeding the 5,000 and he has them lie down or sit in green pastures. And then he says in, in Mark 6, at least, um, he says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then we hear in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. 
So he's proclaiming this fulfillment, and the language we saw all the time in Matthew, fulfillment of this psalm saying, okay, this is what the good shepherd is, and guess what? I'm him. And it's not... Yep. His his kingdom is not like any other because he has compassion on them like a good shepherd has with his, well, we call it lost sheep. And of course, you got the, the lost sheep parable. I mean, you got all of these connections that really bring us back to this beloved psalm that really gives us Christ goggles as we live our lives. And as we see someone near death or when we are near death, it puts that Christ goggles on to say the Lord is indeed my shepherd I shall not want. I mean, it just keeps coming back. So other thoughts on, in that realm? Well, just, just to echo just what you said, and I think that's the other reason as Christians we really uh, gravitate to this, because it's it's one of, of several passages where the connections between Jesus uh, and the Old Testament is so clear, because you're right, Jesus embraces this psalm, that, that he is the fulfillment of everything. And by the way, thanks for bringing it up, because if I remember correctly, Brady, I didn't I didn't look up that particular passage about the uh, feeding the 5,000, but I think that doesn't mark, it, it uses the word green in there, too. It's not just that he has, a, but but I, 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 I might be wrong on that, but I'm thinking when I did that years ago that there was that, as you said, almost a direct al- allusion to the, uh, uh, the psalm here. Um, I'm going to keep looking here, but okay. Well, I I, I thought about it, Uh, but obviously, yeah, like you said, (laughs) I'm the good shepherd, and and the 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 the, the, the parable of the lost sheep, and all of that. You're exactly uh, right. You are you are a scholar and a gentleman. Verse 39, Mark chapter six. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Boom. There, there it is, folks. Even yeah, on the beach, yeah, yeah. this guy's got it going on. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Pastor, here's the other um, something I want to reflect on. So when I was a vicar, and for you, our listeners, vicarage is when the pastor plays pastor but isn't a pastor. Um, anyways, their third year of seminary, typically. And I was in Kansas, and I went to visit a, just a wonderful um, older gentleman. And I, and I read the 23rd Psalm, and his sister and some other people were there. And the sister kind of pulled me aside after and said, you shouldn't ever read Psalm 23 when someone's not dying. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that rule. Um, and so there is a connection here of that this is only for people near death. But then also the more you read it, you realize it is also for those who are alive. So you really it's it's a both and situation. And that's one of the struggles that we you know, we kind of live. But this one and everything I read on Psalm 23, too, is don't allow yourself to think it's one or the other. But it clearly is both. It's for the living and it's for those who are um, near death. It's for both. Let's not make it only one of the two. So any thoughts on that in, in ministry reflections? Well, so, so yeah, so no, here, here's the thing. So, you know, you're, you're reading Psalm 23 and the guy's going, does the pastor know something that I don't? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but no, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. And, and as we get into this, we'll talk about that because it's one of the things that here here's the problem. I I do like Psalm 23. I'm not, I don't dislike it. But one of the problems is is the language has been so established in our mind from the King James translation. In fact, I was looking at the ESV, which is what we use regularly now, and it's almost word for word the same as the King James. That has just been right. so established. You you can't get away from that if you're going to do a new translation. Psalm 23 is going to sound like it's always sounded. 
But see, again, when we get it, it doesn't mention death. That's something they put Mm -hmm. into it. That's not in the Hebrew at all. I'm not saying, of course, I did it at many a funeral because it is a beautiful word of comfort. But you're absolutely right. No, it's it's actually talking about what what we're all going to be doing today and all the things we're going to face today. Maybe not as serious as some of it, but you're right. It's not just for when we're dying. It's for when we're living. Uh, but we'll get to that because, because again, the, the, the Hebrew doesn't actually mention death. That was some of the King James people put in there. But uh, again, I'm jumping the gun. Oh, oh, Brady. See, now here's yeah. the other problem: being on the beach. Uh, when I'm at home, <laughs> I've got my computer in front of me. I got the clock because there's something really, really again a, a mistranslation at, at the end of this. So be sure that you mm-hmm. save me a minute. That we can talk about that because there's something really, really beautiful in the psalm that unfortunately has been obscured by by the way the English is translated. But but that's that's for the end. And I just want want to mention one more thing. And a reminder, you know, verse four is what we want to talk about when you talk about um, in the shadow of death, you know, of the shadow of death. So that's yeah. something we have to address, like you said. But when you look at Luther talking about um, um, Psalm 23, it's interesting because you know he's kind of outside of the. The Americanization, if I can say it that way, yeah, of yeah. Psalm 23. And so he's before that. And he writes that the 23rd Psalm is a psalm of thanks, which is interesting. I don't know if people would define it that way, in which a Christian heart praises and thanks God for teaching him and keeping him on the right way, comforting and protecting him in every danger through his holy word. Which is, I think it really, that helps us bring this back in case we all have that perception that, no, 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 that's just for a funeral. Don't give that to me in the morning. And he's right there saying, no, this is a reflective, this is a David reflection on his life, but not necessarily because he's near death, but because he's living his life and realizing, wow, the Lord has kept me on this path. And this is how he did it throughout his life. So any last thoughts before we dig in, Pastor? Well, well, as long as you, you, you brought up the Luther commentary, and, and I think as we go through this, we, we can see this. For him, it was all about the Word of God. Everything right. in this text is about what the Word of God does for the believer. Uh, and, and so you're right. Yeah, this is something for, well, we actually could read it every morning. So I get tired of it after a while. But, That's right. But no, that, <laughs> it's about what the Word of God is going to do for you and me and our listeners today, right now. It will be there, and it'll do it for us when we die, too. That's true. Absolutely. But it is what it's going to do for us today, yeah. yeah. So let's dig in verse by verse, I think, because every verse is chock full of God's grace. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So right away, it establishes well, that, what this psalm's all about. What's it about? Yep. And and, and the key thing there in terms of, of the translation, uh, and, and again, the English will recognize this because the word Lord for those of you who are following along at home, it's spelled with all four capitals. So again, that's the convention for the fact this is Yahweh. This is the personal name of God. So it's not some generic Lord who is a shepherd, but it is the Lord. It is the Yahweh. It is a guy who was all the way back there at the beginning who created heaven and earth when he spoke. Um, And of course, I suppose for us, then, if we're talking about the personal name of God, we would probably insert Jesus. And Jesus did insert himself, didn't he? Jesus said, as you mentioned earlier, I am the good shepherd. That's who the Psalm's talking about. It's talking about me. Uh, uh, And and here's the other thing. We're going to see this over and over again. It's all personal, isn't it? 
he's not saying, oh, yeah, there's there's a good shepherd. The Lord's a good shepherd. No, no, he's my good shepherd. I'm right. not going to want, see? And I think that's maybe, as we were discussing earlier about why people, because it is so personal. This is about what God would do for you and for me and for our listeners. So for all of our listeners there, put your own name in there and put Jesus' name in there, too. And the right. answer is, he's your shepherd. And you're not going to want, not that you won't have wants, but he's going to provide for all your wants. And I want to go back to what you mentioned previously as well, is that there's this obvious next step where if he's my shepherd, then what am I? And how would you, how would you, (laughs) what, what does this tell us about ourselves the more we learn about Jesus and about the Lord? So, so, uh, and remember now David's a shepherd. So he yeah, knows all right. about this. <laughs> this is very personal for him, too. And and the two things I can remember when I, I studied this, the two things about sheep are, first of all, they're totally helpless. You know, I mean, they have no vicious teeth. They have no sharp claws. What are they going to do? Okay, I shove up, throw wool at, at the, the wolves. <laughs> you know, a lion comes here, have a, have a mouthful of wool. No, so, so that's number one. They're totally helpless. They have to have someone to protect them. Uh, and then the other thing is, is, is they're not even capable of providing their own fundamental needs. Uh, that's the whole business of the parable of the lost sheep. That's what sheep do. They get lost. And they can't find their way to, to water and, and to green pastures. That's why you got to have a shepherd. Uh, and, and, and it's not, you can't blame them. I mean, they're, they're little, they're little hooves. They can't operate the GPSs and stuff. <laughs> so what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> right, right. And they don't have smartphones either. So, 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 I mean, that's, that's, that's the emphasis on the image of a sheep. Sheep are totally helpless. They tell me that if a sheep gets wet and you flip it over, it's done for. It, it can't even upright itself. They're totally dependent <laughs> upon someone watching and caring for them. And, and see, here's the tough thing, though, Brady. We don't see ourselves that way. We're right. pretty independent people. We're pretty capable of taking care of ourselves uh, until, of course, some crisis and trial comes. And by the way, keep 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 my family in your prayers. Uh, we we got a couple things on both sides, and Lynn's the kids and most my kids that that might qualify as the not the shadow of death, but the darkness that we have to darkness. deal with. Uh, um, but, but again, see, the, the Lord's our shepherd. He, he's going to take care of those things. Uh, and it just would be nice if we would remember that every day. No matter what we're going to face today, he, he's going to take care of it. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the big problem. We really, And that's, that's how sheep get lost, isn't it, Brady? They think they don't need a shepherd, so they just kind of go off on their own. Absolutely. Um, Brady, have you ever lost one of your kids? How many kids you've had? I have four children. Yep. You've had you you've had those f- few moments where you think you've lost them. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and that's quite terrifying on our realm, um, no doubt. But yeah, yeah they, they are your, your kids are literally lost sheep when they're when they're young. Of course, the problem is, like you said, is they get older and they think that they're not anymore. And then they they get even <laughs> more lost, you know, <laughs> including myself, you know. <laughs> now, I want to bring us back a little bit here, Pastor, is when I was in yeah. college, I had a professor um, and he was a farmer. He grew up as a farmer and he yeah. uh, he, he told told stories about that how how frustrated he's been throughout his life that we compare sheep to us because he said sheep are complete morons 
is what he said in class. And, and he said one of the – his prime example of this is that you, if a sheep were to like get its head stuck in a fence, like, you know, for whatever reason they're digging around the ground, all this, is that yep, yep. all it needed to do was take two steps back and it's good. But all it can think about is moving straight or forward. Forward. And so that thing would sit there all day. And, and not be able to get out because all I need to do is take two steps back. That was the only solution, but they can't think through solutions. And so that was, I remember thinking to myself like, yeah, that stinks. Why did Jesus do that? And I remember later on, and this and this particular professor was not of a, um, the Bible's inspired inerrant ilk. I'll say that. So um, yeah, yeah. great guy, beloved guy, I still talk to him, but, but, you know, he's not from that ilk. And so I was like, yeah, that stinks. Why did Jesus do that until you realize, wait. It's because, you know what, I am that sheep, and I have to remember that throughout my life. So that, that's always stuck in my mind as well. Um, let me say this one more thing here, Pastor, before you yeah, start talking right. again, is uh, yeah. when it says, my shepherd, I can't help but think about this Easter season. Uh, I know my Redeemer lives at the end. He lives all glory to his name. He lives my Jesus Still the same. Yeah. All this we joy the sentence gives. I know my Redeemer lives. So there's that personalness, like you said, the personal name of God, but also that personal that this is my shepherd. He is my savior. He lives and he still wants to take care of me. Okay. All right. I've talked a lot. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, no, I just, going back to what your professor said about, <laughs> well, you know, we're not morons like that, but, but he obviously hasn't been a pastor because I, I know for you, too, how many times have you dealt with people that just do the same stupid thing over and over and over mm -hmm. again? And then, oh, let's do it one more time. And you're thinking, why? <laughs> how many times are you going to hit your head on the brick wall before you realize the wall's not going to give? Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking that's exactly how people are. That's exactly how I am sometimes. Uh, uh, but that's why this is such a wonderful, because what does God do for for the moronic sheep? Does he say, well, too bad for you if you're that dumb? No, no, he just says, well, he, he tells us now what he's going to do for us, despite uh, our, our foolishness. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking of going to verse 2, because it, it very well establishes who the Lord is. Oh, let me ask this. Yeah. I shall not want... That can be misinterpreted, yeah. but I, I like the language. Um, any thoughts on that? Because that can be misinterpreted as, you know, I have everything I ever would need, you know, I'm comfortable in every situation. But that, that clearly is not what David is saying. What are your thoughts on I shall not want? Okay. So, so as, as I said earlier, yeah, it doesn't mean that we don't have wants. It just means that we have a shepherd who will address those wants. And if you ask me, that's what he's setting up here. He said, okay, let me tell you now what the shepherd's going to do for you. And what we have then is a list now of all the things. And, and in fact, the list emphasizes that we do have wants, right? Mm -hmm, we we, we mm -hmm, do have right. enemies. We do have this valley to go through. But here's what the shepherd will do for you uh, in terms of addressing those wants. So verse 2, let's read that. Um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me be still, beside still waters. Now this, I mean, this sounds good, like for a, a Christmas card or something. You know, the family's all oh, by yeah. this just beautiful green area and all this kind of stuff. But that clearly is not what he's talking about. But it's it's very distinct language that connects us to Mark six. But what is he what is he telling us about what this shepherd does? Well, not not see, now. There, there's two ways we we can run with this, and 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 for Luther again, Luther, like I said, for him, the, everything in this parable is about what the Word of God does for us. 
And so mm-hmm. Luther interprets the green pastures and the still waters as being the word and the sacraments. And, and this is the spiritual comfort that God provides us in a world where we are surrounded by the needs of our sin and our doubt and, and all of those things. Uh, I, I think, though, it might be possible to read this uh, as you read the Lord's Prayer, where, where we have uh, give us this day our daily bread, and then we have the spiritual petition about uh, forgive us uh, our, our trespasses, our sins, our our, our debts. Um, and, and so, I mean, so I, I, I'm saying you could do it either way. You could say, mm-hmm. yeah, so whatever your physical needs are, just like, God takes care of the physical needs, or the shepherd, I'm sorry, takes care of the physical needs of the sheep. So Jesus is going to take care of our physical needs. So you'll have whatever you, and he says that, right? He says he's going to provide for everything we need. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. Because uh, um, then we get into the spiritual things in verse 3. Or it could be like Luther said, no, this is just all about the word of God. Very visual imagery of how God feeds us spiritually, gives us the drink spiritually, uh, so we will not, well, we're not going to go hungry, are we? Uh, mm-hmm. God will feed our soul and take care of us. I don't know, so how do you look at that, Brady? Do you, do you see it as a, as, as a literal physical thing, just like physically he gives water and food to the sheep, so he's given us the things we need for our bodily life, or, or do you uh, prefer a spiritual interpretation? Well, that's a, that's the question, right? It definitely yeah. it definitely is a is a I don't want to say both hand. I, I think sometimes we say that too often at times, but this is definitely one of those situations where we know the Lord provides, but He doesn't just so provide, but He does so abundantly and every day. And how could you not have a sacramental realm in this? You know, the understanding of, yeah. of yeah. He feeds us and cares for us, especially in light of Mark six and the feeding of the five thousand. Um, especially knowing that this is, it defines for us what kind of shepherd this is, is that he's a compassionate shepherd. Um, this is a kind of king that, that uh, uh, will, uh, shepherd that will, will care for you. Um, and it's kind of, you know, as we go through the Psalm, it really is just kind of showing us like, wow, yeah, this is, this is the kind of shepherd he is. And then it, it lays out even more what he gives later on in the Psalm. So right here, it's that peaceful understanding. Also, I read this where it talks about how in order for a sheep to actually drink water, it had to be still waters because a sheep would never be able to figure out how to drink out of a mighty rushing river, you know, kind of thing, or a wave like at an ocean or something. Not they're going to drink that, but you know what I mean, a big wave in Lake Michigan or something. Yeah. So it yeah, definitely he yeah. lays it out. He knows what the, what the sheep needs, and he provides it. Pastor, 30 seconds. Anything else before we go to our break? Well, uh, 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 yeah, see, I, I think the pro- the thing is compassion. You hit it right on the head with compassion. This is to say whatever it is you need, the Lord's going to take care of. He takes care of our physical needs. He takes care of our spiritual needs because he is our shepherd. That That's the key thing. So you're right. Maybe maybe we shouldn't make that distinction. We just focus on whatever it is that's concerned. Whatever your want is, as you see now, there, there's somebody who wants to address that, uh, be it physical, be it spiritual. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good way of, of dealing with it. All right, so let's continue this discussion or study later on. We need to take our break. We're studying and praying Psalm 23 with Pastor John Lekomsky, and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 23 with Pastor Don Lekomsky. And as we look at the 23rd Psalm, it is something that has really, I would say, impacted the church in, in, in powerful ways. And I have to always watch myself for saying, well, you know, maybe we use it too much. Like, oh, that's not a right way to think of it. You're know, like, oh, that's all people want for the funeral. But boy, I mean, every time that you would preach this or teach this, or use it at, at a, a funeral, I mean, you can always use something new with this beloved psalm. So I'm, I'm uh, maybe I'm becoming more soft as I age, I'm not sure, but it definitely is a reminder. <laughs> Let's not just think, well, we want something different or more exciting because there's always a new gem to look at. Pastor, any, any thoughts on that? Because we can, that's, that's too often. We, we're doing that too often when, you know, I mean, there's a gift here and God is providing it. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is is I hope people realize in an hour, you and I are just going to skim over this text. We, we could right. go back and even look at the things we've talked about before and find more death. You could probably spend a whole week uh, on this one particular song. And maybe, again, that's why it's such appealing, because it, 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 it's so rich and it's so understandable, I think. There are some portions of the Scripture where we just aren't sure, whereas here you read this, oh, man, Jesus is my shepherd. I, I'm not going to want, or I will want, but he's going to provide whatever I need. You know, it's just right. such a beautiful, clear statement of God's love for us. So, yeah. Let's go to verse, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I never grew up with a King James, I still want to say, he restoreth my soul. <laughs> when I hear yep, this, yep, there you Pastor, go. When, you, there you go. when you hear these words, it really, we kind of we kind of get it. Even if you don't fully understand what restores my soul, we kind of understand there's something to this. What does that mean for the Christian when he says, he restores my soul? Well, see, now here's, here's again, though, where my complaint is we've, we've locked into this restores and if you look at the Hebrew word, and actually the Hebrew word is used twice in the psalm, and in both cases they came up with a different word. I'm not sure, because usually King James is just right on the money, uh, you know. Uh, but but the, so the, the sense of the word here, and I'm not trying to disturb anybody who loves the language of the King James, but the sense is more return <laughs> and restore. In fact, it's mm. the word used over and over again when God says to his people, return to me. Come back to me. And, and, and so the point is, I, when I'm here, David say, you know, I wandered away. I wandered away. And we, we could think about the numerous things he did or what he might have been contemplating. Maybe what he did with Bathsheba. Maybe some of the things he did in, in, in battle in terms of killing. But whatever, here's the thing you need to know. If you wander away, guess what a shepherd does for you? 
he restores you. He returns you. Uh, um, and again, see, I'm thinking of that whole thing of the lost sheep again that Jesus talks about. What happens when a sheep goes astray? Well, the shepherd goes after him until he finds him and he brings him home. And, and see, that fits in really nice with the next grade. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So I'd run off on my own path. But, but now he's returned me. I'm back on the path that I need to be, uh, the path of faith, because that's the righteous live by faith, don't they? That's what right. I hope people understand that we hear righteousness right away. And I think we think of our good works and all the, the moral things we do. Uh, but, but no, that's actually kind of the fruit of righteousness, because righteousness itself is just well, knowing what the psalmist teaches us, that we got a good shepherd. And should we wander away, he's going to restore our soul, return our soul. Um, the word soul, by the way, is a neat word, too. And, and we could you, you could do a whole thing on that little word soul, because right. it's the same word that is used at the beginning when God creates Adam. And it says that God breathed into Adam. See, the word for breath there, that's the word that's here in the Hebrew. So it's whatever made us... It changed us from being just a pile of dirt that made us into a living being. Uh, and that's what God did. And now that's what Jesus is going to return back to where it needs to be in those paths of righteousness. Um, Boy, and you definitely get a feel in this psalm of he breathes new life into me. I mean, there, there's definitely there you that, go. you know, return the soul. That would be now, that that's translation. Not ex- See, you could do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that with that more, more so than than restore, um, and that and then it, and it reconnects when you think of he he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You can definitely make that connection of righteousness, breathing in this new life, and all of it. You know, we'll talk about you are saved um, for Christ's sake. You know, on account of Christ language, and here you have that you can't get away from it. Is that he gives us all these things and he does it all. <laughs> it's all him who's doing it. You know, this is not a, um, I went halfway and then he get, he restored my soul or whatever it might be is he's basically saying, lie down. Um, because this is my work. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And he's doing it all for his name's sake, not for the sake of bragging, like a good Minnesotan would be worried about, but for the sake <laughs> of caring for his sheep, you know, definitely. So pastor, other things in verse three. Well, well, see, and see, that's the great comfort that he does it for his name's sake. He doesn't do it because of anything we've done or anything that we deserve. He just does it, as as we'll see when we get to the end of the psalm, because he is a God of hased. He's a God of steadfast love. That's just how he is. If you are a shepherd and you lose a sheep, you're going to do everything you can to find that sheep, to return that sheep, to care for that sheep. Why? Because because sheep are such wonderful animals. No, but that's how you are wired as a shepherd, and that's how the Lord is wired for us. And you're right. Uh, If you you look over this, uh, the the only thing we're doing is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The only thing we're doing is maybe fearing evil, but but he does everything else, doesn't he? This whole psalm Mm -hmm. is about what what he does for us. So that's the beautiful thing, that that personal language here. He restores my breath again. Mm. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Yeah. So I think that's why we love it, because it's just there. There, there, There's absolutely nothing there to to trouble us. Uh, It's all comfort. So verses one through three, (laughs) and it keeps telling us that, yeah, verses one through three, when you look at somehow people kind of put themes into this, verses one, three is really about 
his leading us, you know, Christ be my leader type of language as we hear in the hymn. And verse four kind of stands alone in its own sense where it speaks about God's presence. Now, obviously, the first three talk about God's presence as well, but just it's this wonderful, um, this is where I am, and this is what it means that God is with me. So let us let us read verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a comfort word like you mentioned, comfort yeah. me. I The first thing I think about, is <laughs> I grew up in the 90s, and so there was a song um, called uh, Gangster's Paradise. And he said, even though I walk <laughs> through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, then he goes on and talk about city life and all this kind of stuff. So that yeah. I just remember my dad read this in church one time, and I was like, hey, that's Gangster's Paradise. So <laughs> not at all. No, that's in the Bible first, Brady. Come on now, buddy. Um, even Okay. But also there could be translation on that, shadow of death. Maybe, you know, you know, I think I think it fits. I don't think it's wrong per se, but maybe there's a more no. stronger emphasis. What would you say that the stronger emphasis is translation wise? So, so I think I think what we have here. So we have this picture about oh man, he's our shepherd. Yes, so you're going to have have the uh, uh, the still waters. Or, or it's interesting. See again, the Hebrew actually says the waters of rest. Uh, mm. So it could mean still that, like you say, that it's easier for the sheep to drink, or it could just mean. As the word you used earlier, lie down, quit worrying about this, quit working hard, just lie down. But but then again, we'd say, but wait a second, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all about pastures and waters. But now I'm in a valley, and it's a scary, scary valley. So what does that mean, that you're no longer here, that you've left me? Is that the point? For a while you were leading me, but now I'm in trouble. Now i got problems. And, and of course, that's what he's addressing. He's saying, "No, no, no, no. I, I haven't left you. I'm, I'm still here." Um, so, do you want to talk about some of the details now about the valley, or, sure. or where do you want to yeah. go at this point? Let's do it. I, um, I think that's a very. I think verse four, that part, is very well known. People can almost quote that, even if they're not necessarily, you know, um, really faithful people, but they know it. So it's good for us to be able to break it down. So, what do you have? So, so the, the word valley, and, and you know the old thing about uh, Eskimos having 200 words for snow. Have you ever heard that? I have not, but now I have. Well, I'm well, great. I'm great because it's a lie. It's not true. They don't have, who needs 200 words for snow? I know, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but the Hebrews actually have a whole bunch of words for valley because they have a lot of okay. valley. That's pretty rugged country over there. Uh, and the particular word for valley here is the word gay which now I know has all kinds of connotations in our present culture, but, but the Hebrew word would be gay. Uh, um, and, and what's interesting is the most famous of the gay valleys in the uh, Old Testament is, of course, the, the gay of Henan, right, uh, where, where the worshipers of Morlock would sacrifice their children. And, of course, mm-hmm. the New Testament picks up the gay Hannah, and that becomes the word that they use for hell, Right, you know, and do not fear those who kill the body. I cannot kill the soul. Uh, rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell and Gehenna. It would say in the New Testament. So I'm just saying there's kind of an ominousness about the very word valley itself. This might not be your ordinary valley. This is a valley, well, the valley of of hell. Uh, and although, you know what? What other valley uh, gay is used for? It's it's where they buried Moses. 
Moses is buried, in, and no one knows where, but it was buried in a gay. He was buried in a valley. Um, so anyway, just I thought it's interesting. The word valley itself has kind of omniscience of evil and wickedness and hell. And, and, uh, and then, of course, we've got the shadow of death, which, mm-hmm. as we said earlier, actually that's one word in the Hebrew. It's not three words. And the word death is not used at all in the original language. Uh, the word that is used actually is the word for the darkest of the dark. You yeah. can't get any darker yeah. than this word. Have you ever been? Have you ever been down? No, see, I, I forget. You're that northern boy. Uh, yeah. If yeah. you live around St. Louis, you can go down to Branson, and they have a mm-hmm. cave down there. Oh man, I can't. It's at Silver Dollar City. But what they like to do is they take you into that cave, and then they shut off the lights. Mm. And if you've never been in a cave without any lights. That is darker than any dark you've ever seen because you cannot even see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it is. And that's what we're talking about here. So what happens to us as believers when we find ourselves in Gehenna, when we find ourselves in a darkness that we cannot see any light, uh, or if we are a Christ hanging from a cross, crying out, "My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" See, that's that's what we're talking about, and we don't have to die to face. In fact, sometimes I think when we face death, we don't feel that way at all. Yeah. You've ministered to people who probably said, I, "I'm ready to die, Pastor. That's okay. You know, I'm I, doing fine." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But but anyway, that what if we were in that situation where we had no physical evidence at all that there was a God? who loved and cared for us. And, and yet, David says, no, I, I, even in that, I, I don't need to fear, because you know what? I, I can't see you, but I can feel your rod. I can feel your staff. You're tapping me there. Uh, and, of course, Martin Luther says the rod and the staff, and I, I like his interpretation. That's that's the Word of God that you and I are sharing with people right now. That's mm. the, the holy baptism. That's the, the bread and the wine that we take and eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, but see, it's a really beautiful thing, because some of our listeners right now have been there. They've been in that, that Gehenna. I, I have. I hope you haven't. But all of us, I think, at one point or the other, will go through times like that, maybe losing a loved one uh, or, or some other crisis or trial. And, and, and David's reminded us, no, no, no. And, and see, the beautiful thing is, Brady, we know that our God understands that, because he was there. He cried that out. He understands completely what we're going through. No, no, we are not. And so we have then that, that comfort. Um, all right, I'll shut up for a moment. But I do want to say one more cool thing about this darkness of the darkness. But but yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, the an example that we could use here in Minnesota is you go the the, the Iron Range, which is the northern, oh. the northeastern part of, of the state. Beautiful area, but also very much so a lot of caves, a lot of mines. Then there's one particular mine I remember going to as a kid. Same exact thing that you went down, you know, went down number of floors. I'm not sure how deep it is, but definitely when you go down there, you realize 
if something goes down that shaft and it's broken, there's no way out, you know, let alone yeah. there is darkness and there's this, there's no chance of light from outside. There's no chance of all of that. And that really, I think it really connects us very well to our lives without God. We might not realize it because we think that we're sheep that can lead. We think we are, are people in darkness that have our own light to shine when the reality is we don't. And here's he's saying, even in the deepest darkness realities of life, death, whatever it might be, that I will not fear because the Lord is still leading me because he is my light. He is my my breath. He is um, my shepherd. And that's why I think this is also a realization of how we need God and and he is a true shepherd. So that that's one of my examples of I don't I've never been to Branson, um, but I have been to the Iron but Range. Same I think principle. That gives us, same principle. Same yeah. They same put thing. you in a hole and they turn off the lights and, and man. Um, that's it. <laughs> and and, and the reason why I, I, I wish I wish we had the, the, the actual Hebrew rather than and I love I love the language, the valley of the shadow of death. Man, how many times have I preached on that? You know, mm-hmm. but 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 because they use that, we miss the connection with two very, very beautiful passages in the Bible that use the exact same word. But if you were reading them in the English, you would not know that you were hearing the same thing that was said in Psalm 23. I'm going to share them with you. First Please. of all, one of the reasons David could be sure that God would do this is because God already did it for David and for his people. Jeremiah 2, 6 says, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep mm. darkness. Same word yeah. that's used here, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells. So the Lord's already done this for his people, right? They were already in deep darkness. They were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. He's already brought them out. So we know he can do this. We know he can do this. But here's the passage that I really like, because this is a passage that we all know. And I wonder how many of us, I, I didn't know. I didn't know until I did this study that it's the same thing that's in Psalm 23. You, you know Isaiah 9 too, don't you? You love it. You read yeah, it every Christmas yeah. time. Those who the have been in deep darkness. Walk, yeah. yeah keep, that's keep going. Keep going. Word. Just say the whole thing. Say the okay. whole thing. The, the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, deep the same darkness. word as we have here in Psalm 23. Oh, my God. On them the light has shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, isn't that cool? Oh, so the my goodness. same thing David's talking about here, Isaiah says, I know where you're going to find light. You're not going to find it in yourself, but you will find it in this one, the Son who's given Jesus Christ, the Counselor, the wonderful Counselor, God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. See, So anyway, that's the only thing. By not using the original Hebrew there, we lose the connection with those beautiful passages in Jeremiah and Isaiah. So. I would definitely say that we, it, Jeremiah has a great connection as well. The the Isaiah one really kind of blows my mind because you think of the Isaiah passage, we use it for the incarnation of Jesus. We'll use oh, it during yeah. Advent and, and Christmas. And here it is, once again, Psalm 23 for all stages of life. And it it's like a diamond of, of seeing Jesus that you're able to see it. And all. not only is he our shepherd, but he is our light, which he says, I am the light of the world. And so it, it connects us on all of those ways where you can see it from every angle. And the fullness of the incarnation becomes even more full, as you pointed that out today, Pastor. I, that is 
that is awesome. My mind is blown right now um, as we look at God's grace in this great psalm. So there it is. That's one something I never would have thought of before we read this. So, Pastor, we have eight minutes left in our time. I want to read our last two verses, and I want us to think about this. He begins by, by reminding us we are sheep and that he cares for us like sheep. But in these last two verses, he shows us that he also treats us like royalty. So verses five and six. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, my, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I should dwell in the house of the Lord, Yahweh, forever. Pastor, I want to highlight this before you get to your thoughts is, you know, that, that it, he treats us like royalty. He gives us a place at the table like a good and compassionate king, not because we're our royalty, but because he is the king who has invited us to be with him now. And obviously you look at Revelation 7, you have the, um, uh, you have that, uh, not, 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 not 7, excuse me, in Revelation where it talks about welcome to the marriage feast and the language we see throughout. So I just found that fascinating. Sheep to royalty is how he treats us. What are your thoughts? Well, and you've got this beautiful word anoint, because again, mm-hmm. that has to right. do with royalty, right? Who gets anointed? Right. The king gets anointed, and now we're getting anointed, right? Because we're we're princes. We're, we're, I, I love that image. I had not thought about the royalty, to be honest with you, yeah, Brady. Right. But you're right. That's exactly there. So, so think of that. We started out as sheep, morons, as your professor said, <laughs> and now all of a sudden we have been exalted to the the temple of the or the, the table rather of the king, anointed as as his his uh, uh, princes and, and princesses. Uh, yeah, it's a great. And, and the other thing that's cool about this is, do you notice? How the how the 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 address has changed because at, at the beginning we're just talking about God, right? He's my shepherd; mm-hmm. uh, he leads me. But now now we're talking to God, right? You're you're with me. Your rod and your staff cover me. You prepare a table. Now you 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 begin with saying, "Let's do this as a prayer," and and that's exactly what it is, isn't it? David is talking to God, and what a personal conversation. What a wonderful thing to be able to talk to God like that. Oh, God, think what you've done for me. Wow. Gosh, God, help us to pray that way. Because I don't know that we pray that way, that we just come up to God and say, oh, man, God, you're so good to me. You know, what a beautiful thing we have here in this text. Yeah. Oh, this is great. And you're right. It goes from kind of a God that we could we could say, oh, well, you know, yeah, he's close. But is he really that close? You know, yeah, you. And then all it gets to you you know, have yeah. done this for me. You are doing this for me. Um, and there's there's one line that I that I really love is verse five is my cup overflows. You hear those? And I, I just remember seeing in a number of movies where like uh, someone says, you know, it's kind of cheesy at times, but I think it really does capture it as a father um, is is when like one of the kids or grandchildren goes to their parent or grandparent and says, you know, grandma, I love you or grandpa, I love you or mom and dad, I love you. And then the parent says something like my cup overfloweth. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it, you don't understand it till you're in it. But I think that's a part of this text that is very important too, that this grace and mercy and goodness that we'll hear about in verse six um, overflows in our lives. It's not like he just gives us a little dab, and just see if it's going to be good. No, he overflows it into us, like pouring his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5. 
it's that it's that overflowing nature of God's grace that we receive as well. So any any thoughts on that portion? I haven't really ever looked at that a whole lot, but I think it's very important. Well, again, see, see, now, 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 now Luther would look at that and say, just think how our cup does overflow. So what does God do? God says, well, I'll give you baptism. We'll get you started out, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a baptism. It'll wash away your sins. It'll give you new birth. And how many gods, how many gods that you know, Brady, would say, well, that's enough. I gave you a baptism. Right. What else do you want? Right. Yeah, so, no, no, not that? our God. Just, no, no, <laughs> look, 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 I tell you what else. Tell, what else I'll give you? Yeah, I, I, well, well, we'll give you my word. We'll give you the entirety of my holy scripture with some beautiful words like Psalm 23. And how many other gods would say, yeah, well, that's enough. You got scripture. You got... Oh, no, no, God says, no, no. I, look, I know you're going to have some doubts. You're going to have some valleys. So I did, let's do this. Come down and sit at a table with me, and I will give you bread and wine that is actually my body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, wait, wait, that's not enough. I tell you what, I'll give you absolution. So all you got to do is listen, and, and, and the pastor will tell you your sins are forgiven, and what's said here on earth will be true in heaven. See, it, it really does overflow, doesn't it? It's just like you can't, he just wants to give us more grace. Well, grace upon grace, I think. Isn't that in the Bible somewhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John just showering mm-hmm. us with us. But, but before we leave that, see, what yeah. I like about this verse is in the presence of my enemies. Right. See, that's what I love about Psalm 23. It's not, it's not that happy, oh, God loves me, everything's fine. No, no, we live in a sinful world. We are surrounded by the devil, by our own sinful flesh, by the world itself. God's well aware of that. He knows the enemies are there. But just open your eyes and see. There's the rod. There's the staff. Well, you can't open your eyes and see it, can you? Because <laughs> it's too right. dark. But you too can dark. feel it. You know it's there because the Spirit's working in you through all of these things we just mentioned, word and sacrament. But I, I dislike that, too, because I hope people understand. We're not suggesting if you're a Christian, everything's happy. Oh, in the situation going on in my family, one of my grandchildren says, Grandpa, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional because I, it hit me, I realized, yeah, you're right. It's not fun. But that's okay. In the presence of our enemies, the Lord is still here, alive and well, bringing us goodness and mercy. And, and now, can I share with you the other thing? Please do. Uh, we have do about we have a minute and a half here, Pastor. A minute and a half. Oh, this is perfect. So so the English says goodness and mercy. By the way, mercy is actually the the wonder word in the Old Testament. Hased, steadfast mm. love. Steadfast yeah. love. Never ends. It's always there. So goodness and hased, steadfast love. But here's the thing. It's not follow me. That's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says, pursue me. Isn't mm. that a beautiful word? It's coming after us, people. You might have wandered away. You might be heading in the wrong direction. But let me tell you, the hased and the goodness of God, surely it's pursuing you. It's coming after you. And I just thought, what a beautiful, beautiful translation of that word there. Not just following, but pursuing. So anyway, I wanted to share that with everybody. Um, Pastor, Pastor, we have 30 seconds left in our time. When, <laughs> this is weird, how would you encourage our listeners with this psalm? Oh, I don't think I could. I think the psalm has done it all on its own. <laughs> I think just listen, just hear. Uh, and for all of those who have enemies, all those in the valleys even, isn't that cool? It's all there. 
There, the, the, and what a beautiful conclusion. Uh, uh, actually, again, see, it says dwell, but it's the same word we had earlier, the word for return. We're all going to mm-hmm. return to the house of the Lord, people. So don't don't despair. And nothing you see here is going to last forever. That's what I told my little granddaughter. Don't don't worry. What you're going through is not going to last forever. Uh, and, uh, well, again, now you could tie it into Jesus' promise that in my father's house, right, there are many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, so we've kind of gone back to death, but you're right. It's not about death. It's about living. So, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word from Psalm 23. Pastor Lekomsky, enjoy Florida, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. You're welcome, Brady. Uh, blessings to you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.